0: Grab your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke chapter 5, and if you would please find your way over to uh, chapter 5, well, Lord willing being verses 33 through 39 this morning, Luke five thirty-three through 39. Before we get started though, um, I just want to say thank you guys for those of you who prayed for me and my family last night. In our night run 5K race, we survived. Hallelujah. I did not have a heart attack on the course, though there were many times I thought I might. <laughs> Believe me, even though it was pouring rain at one point, uh, it did nothing to help me cool down. Uh, I, I got to tell this because it was kind of funny. Uh, I had finished the race and I thought, well, I'm going to begin to walk back uh, through the neighborhood that we were running in Greenville. And I thought, I'm going to go back so I can, you know, see how my wife is doing. Maybe encourage her to finish strong. And uh, and I thought maybe after that, I might go back and encourage. Uh, Karis and Faith actually ran a 5K as well. Now, that's, for you folks who don't know, that's 3.1 mile. It's hard enough for me to drive 3.1 mile, okay? <laughs> and here were my little kids. And i tell you, my secretary's job description just has no end. Because she was there last night to keep up with Faith and Karis in the 5K run. So, I go back and I'm looking to see, you know, Allison and cheer her on. And all of a sudden, I I get probably half a mile away from the finish line going back through the course. And I see Faith just to getting it by herself, just to running, you know, chase like she's chasing somebody. You know, by the way, why would you run unless somebody's chasing you? I mean, I know that's what some of you are thinking, but... Here's my daughter, and of all my kids, now if you know, I love my daughter Faith, but she was not the one I really expected to see first. And she was just running away, and so I got beside her, and I was like, come on, honey, you can do it, keep running. I'm jogging beside her, and I, I said, you just keep going, you keep going, I'm going to look for Mama. And I turn around, and about that time, here comes Brittany around the corner, carrying Karis, running full speed. I mean, I'm talking, this, I told her, I said, you are a beast, and you know, I don't know how long this girl's been running and carrying my daughter. And so I'm like, I can tell, you know, Brittany needs to hop on, Karis. So I get Karis on my back, and we start running. And I think, well, I'm, I'm going to go back for Mama. You, you go ahead and run on. So she runs on, and I go back, and there's Mama just right there as well. And, and so we all finished out the race, and it was a great time. And it was, it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for anybody who may have lifted up a prayer. And believe me, we needed it last night, but it was, it was quite the adventure. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun. I can thank, I guess, the Gentry's Mark and Holly for corrupting me with those 5K runs. Now it's in my system. But uh, anyways, great. there are great lessons that you can learn from those, and the greatest one, I think, is that when you run the race of life, it's like running a 5K, you want to finish well, finish strong. And so uh, that's something we were reminded of last night. We closed in prayer and we got home and just thanked the Lord and asked that He would let us just as we finish that 5K, do so in life. And uh, we need to run the race well, finish strong. Hopefully we'll be encouraged this morning in just that. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. If you would, uh, let's uh, look at the text this morning as we read those passages. By the way, if, you'd like, if you need a Bible, there is a Bible there. The pew should be one in front of you or nearby. If you do not have a Bible, please take one of those and follow along. Luke five thirty three. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees? But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. Heavenly Father, I pray, recognizing that, uh, Lord, apart from you, I am nothing, and I recognize that uh, your grace is needed. I pray that you would allow me to be a conduit of your grace, Lord, today, to proclaim your truth, to preach your word in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the listener, Lord, that we would be attentive, that we would hear from you, that you would teach us through uh, your truth today, and that Christ, our Lord, would be made much of, that he might be lifted high, And so, Lord, we give you praise this day as we continue our worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've covered a lot of ground so far. Still a lot to go in the Gospel of Luke. But I want to kind of recap a bit of what's been going on recently in this text. Jesus has just called Levi to be a disciple. and You know Levi is also known as Matthew. And when you read the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is the very Matthew, the tax collector, who was called to follow Him. And as we talked about last time, He left everything and followed after Him. And you recall that in this context, in in, in this passage of Scripture, there's several things that uh, Luke is, is trying to highlight and he's talked about this very important fact that Jesus is indeed God incarnate. And that's seen through the many miracles that have been documented so far up to this point. And also uh, just through uh, the claims that Christ has made. And you remember when the Pharisees were gathered and he was, Jesus was um, teaching And then the roof opened up, these men had climbed up and lowered their friend down, and the paralytic was healed. And there was this little exchange between the Pharisees, because they were talking amongst themselves when Jesus said the first thing was to the man, your sins are forgiven. Who can forgive sins but God? And that's exactly right. And so Jesus was claiming to be God. What's easier? To say your sins are forgiven? or or to tell this guy to get up and walk. And so to prove that exactly who he was, he did both. And so this has happened. And now we see this despicable person, Levi. I mean, of all people, we talked about, you know, they were kind of like a, a step below the prostitute in society. These were the traitors of the Jewish society. Tax collectors were the lowest of the lows. Some people joke and say not a whole lot has changed. (laughs) Look, the IRS is in big trouble today, right? Uh, They're not thought of too fondly. But let me just say, even in our day, there's still hope for the hopeless, right? Uh, Christ's grace extends to whosoever. It's not shortened. His hand of grace is not shortened because of sinners, And so, there's a great message that we've been learning through this study. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who uh, you may have harmed or, or, or what sins you've committed, you're not beyond the reach of God's grace. Christ demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, when He goes to Levi and He calls him, to become one of his disciples. Well, this upsets the apple cart. These Pharisees, these scribes are a little ticked about this because, hey, this is not the kind of guy uh, uh, that, you know, that's not kosher, (laughs) pun intended. So what do we see here? We see in today's text, this continues after the party Levi threw. Remember that? The old Levi shindig? You senior saints thought y'all had some fun. I'm th- I'm thinking Levi threw a threw a big party. He may have had hot dogs. He was a traitor, you know, to the Jews. I, I, you know, I'm just saying. What's that? What's the one that is kosher hot dogs? What are those called? Hebrews. <laughs> you guys know your hot dogs. That's scary. That's pretty scary. Those uh, are the beef, hot dogs. <laughs> the beef hot dogs. That's right. Only the best. That's right. <laughs> none of those chicken lips in those last night, and none in tonight. So okay. Um, but look, you know, Levi had this party and this was another point of criticism. Here are these Pharisees, you know, what's, what's Jesus doing, hanging out with this bunch, bunch of tax collectors, bunch of sinners, you know, and you remember what we talked about last time where Christ commented to them, look, I didn't come for those that are well. Those that are sick need a physician. And see, the thing is, a sick person knows they need a doctor. A person who's well, they think they're all right. Why do I need a doctor? I'm okay. But a sick person realizes, I need a doctor. And so the sinner that comes to Christ in humble repentance recognizes one big important thing. I'm a sinner, and I need saving. I need the grace of God. I need the ultimate healing, the physician, the the chief physician, Christ, to administer His cure, His healing grace. And so here we find uh, uh, this shindig going on at Levi's house. And we're going to pick up on this uh, story and continue on at at what's, what's happening. Because these Pharisees aren't real pleased with Jesus eating with these sinners. And, and by the way, in this point in the story in the Gospel of Luke, if you've been reading and studying and following along, they are intentionally going to where Jesus is. Why? Because they're looking. They're looking for things to bring against Him. They're looking for accusations. Ever feel that way, Christian? You ever feel like sometimes the coworker, the neighbor, the world, they're just watching you, aren't they? They're just waiting for you to make a mistake. Aha! Christian. Yeah. Yeah. They did this to Christ. And here in today's continuing uh, story as it unfolds, we see these Pharisees and scribes, after Jesus has just made this great sarcastic comment in verse 31, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, you know, because these guys thought they were the righteous. I've not come to call the righteous. They thought they were okay. We know Scripture tells us there's none righteous. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Again, they didn't see their need. Therefore, they weren't seeking Repentance and faith in Christ. Verse 33, Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees? But yours eat and drink. Well, we need to take a look at this statement. First off, let me just say, this is, uh, again, important note here, where, where John's been brought back into the story. Remember, we've, we, when Luke started off the Gospel, we were kind of centered on, on, on John the Baptist. And remember, all these folks are coming out of Jerusalem, they're going out into the wilderness, and they're going out there. Why? There was a call to repentance. And so John was baptizing them, preparing the way of the Lord. There was a call to the religious, if you will. The system's broke. It's time to get our hearts right, people of Israel. It's time to get right before God. And so many were heeding this message and going out there. But we haven't heard from John, and and at this point, again, remember, Luke does not do this in chronological order, but it's believed by many that at this point in this account that John is probably in prison at this point. Now, you know, Luke talks about him, uh, his death, but again, this is not in a chronological unfolding. But at the point of this time, some speculate that perhaps John is still in prison, and there's a reference made in the present tense that they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees. But yours, eat and drink. Now look, the Old Testament had taught fasting. Moses, Elijah, Daniel. We see these accounts of times when they they fasted and prayed. And so fasting and praying seems like uh, a good thing, does it not? I mean, Scripture emphasizes that. We see examples in the New Testament. Many of them, Jesus himself. He'd been in the wilderness, right? The desert, 40 days. He fasted. So what about this question that's raised? Well, we've got to understand the difference in what the Pharisees and scribes meant by a fast, right? You see, what was happening in the life of the Pharisees and the scribes, like we see quite often, and this is why Jesus blasted them so much, was because they had taken what were once godly things and had, in essence, made those things void because they had added traditions of men. They had basically trumped truth with now traditional practices. Now, we would never do something like that in the church, would we? This message today is probably going to be challenging for many of us if, we will ready our hearts before the Lord. Because I believe there's a great truth that's found in this text that's not always understood, not always received. And definitely the Pharisees and the scribes had a hard time getting this one. But let's take a look. Let's see what happens. Again, the Pharisees and the scribes, they had by this point had basically begun a practice of fasting twice a week. You know, hey, if fasting is spiritual, we ought to do it t- two times a week. Then we'll be really sp- We'll be two times spiritual. And you know what? I know what we could pattern it after. You know, Moses, on the second day, he went up on the mountain, and on, it was on, a, on the fifth day of the week that he came down. So, why don't we fast on Mondays and Thursdays? That's a good idea, Brother Rabbi. That's a good idea. Let's do that. I'm sure it didn't unfold quite like that. But the point was, by this time, there was basically two days a week that they were fasting. And that was part of what they did. By the way, we know how they fasted. Turn with me over to Matthew. We can get some, some kind of history context of how they fasted. Look over in Matthew 6. And let's see here. Look over in verse 16. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast... Oh, by the way, let me stop right there. You may want to circle that word, when, W-H-E-N. You know what that word implies? Christian, we need to fast today. I think fasting is still something that the church, the follower, the believer of Jesus Christ should still have as a part of their life. You know? Um, so let's continue on. Matthew six sixteen. Moreover, when, because he's telling his disciples this, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast... Anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, what would happen is these Pharisees and scribes, they had gotten such a tradition up that what they would do is they would take ash and they would put it on their face. And it would give this pale, sickly look. And some of them would even suck in their cheeks, you know, and they would just walk around. Oh, I'm fasting. Look at me, I'm fasting. I'm skeleton man. I'm fasting, you know. And they'd have this ash on their forehead. I mean, and so they wanted people to know they were spiritual because they were fasting. And you know, I can't help but think of and know. Look, if you got family friends, or if you're out of the background, I, you know. I kind of see a lot of this even going on today. Ash Wednesday. People walk around. You ever been out? I I was at the hospital walking around. All these people, you know, walking around with these. Excuse me. You got (gasps) to stop it. It's Ash Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, they got these things. And it's like. Do we read scripture? (laughs) Probably not. But this is the way the Pharisees would do. They would put they wanted people to know. And Jesus said, look, don't be like the hypocrites. Do it so that no one knows you're doing it. Present yourself well. Clean your face up. You know? Make sure you don't want people knowing. And, and look, if you fast, again, it's like you know, saying prayers. Don't, don't sound, a, a, you know, I'm praying, everyone listen to me. You don't sound that, in, you know, what you do, do in secret. God sees in secret. Because when we do it openly for man to be man-pleasing, uh, then you've got your reward. Do what you do in private that God sees, God alone sees. You know, this is one thing, when I was in youth ministry, there was this, um, and again, no offense if you participated in this, but uh, they've got one of these things where you, you get your youth group to fast so that you raise money to help bring awareness to hunger. And that's a great cause, I'm sure. I'm not knocking the calls. I, I just remember them calling me and sending me information after information after information. I Finally, I said, they asked me, why, why do you never participate? Because we've been after you for a while. And I said, you know, honestly, uh, my conscience won't let me. Because I, I, when I read Scripture, this is something I should do privately. And if I'm going out and telling people, hey, I'm getting ready to fast, will you sponsor me? Yeah, the great cause to raise awareness for for people who are hungry, I'm not knocking that. That is great, and let's raise all the money we can. But I think we're kind of mixing apples and oranges here, and we're compromising a scriptural truth with a good thing. And and so I always had a problem with that. Point is, Jesus says, don't do it to be men-pleasers. Don't let others know that you're doing it. The hypocrites did. And so here they are, and I think, I could be wrong on this. My guess is, here are these Pharisees inscribed on probably a Monday or perhaps a Thursday. And Levi's having a shindig. He's having some Hebrew hot dogs. He's having a party. They're all eating and drinking. They're having a good time. They're having, you know, just some fun. And these are the lowest of the lows. These are the sinners. And... We're spiritual in our nice robes and and, and, and it's interesting because they even bring up John the Baptist. Well, even John the Baptist and his disciples, they fast. And look at your people eating and drinking. So the question was raised. Notice Jesus' response. Verse 34, and he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? Hmm. Interesting. Now, I disagree with MacArthur on this. He says there's no Old Testament mention where Christ says that he is, um, that the Messiah, there's no prophetic in, uh, in instances where, uh, in the Old Testament where uh, the Messiah is referred to as the bridegroom. I disagree. I think there's several passages in the Old Testament where you will find references to the Lord being the husband. Many passages, Isaiah, Jeremiah, go back and look through some of those. If any of you want specific references, email me, I'll be glad to give them to you. But here's the thing. Jesus makes a a, a very important point here. There's a custom. Isn't it interesting? He's responding with to counter one custom with another custom, but there's an underlying truth in the custom in which he presents. It's the custom of marriage. And what would happen during marriage is the betrothal period may take about a year, but then there was almost this processional where the bridegroom would go with his entourage and family and they would march in this parade almost to where the wife was awaiting where the bride was. And then they would receive her and her family. And then they would all go to the place where the uh, ceremony took place and there was this big festival, they would have that big celebration. Now, celebration might go on for a week. We would assume consummation of the marriage took place that night, but the celebration for the party might happen all week long. Family, because they're traveling from all over the land. And so they would just eat and drink, and it was a time of joy. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of happiness. And Jesus is making an important point here. He's present with them. Here's God incarnate. This is Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. He's in their presence. This isn't a time for mourning. This isn't a time for sadness. This is a time for joy because he brings good tidings, glad tidings. Right? His message is a message of hope. is a message of joy. And so, why you wouldn't you, you wouldn't let that happen? You know, oh, the bridegroom and the and the wife are together, and it's the week long celebration. Uh, well, we'd love to participate in the party, but we're not supposed to. We're fasting. No, that makes no sense. That's not what you... And even the Pharisees discontinued their fasting during that type of event. So Jesus makes a great point. He asked them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? And by the way, the emphasis on can you make... uh, Again, isn't it interesting legalism, rules, man-centered ideas, traditions oftentimes are externals that are forced upon people. Very opposite from what the Lord does. We had a great conversation Wednesday night about this in our study, talking about how a lot of times in churches, a lot of times in Christianity, even today, we fall into this trap. We push behaviorism and conformism. External pressures to get people to look a certain way. That's wrong. That's a form of legalism. What we want to do is allow the Word of God, the Spirit of God, to address the heart of man. Because when the heart of man is changed and the heart of man is transformed, when I get it, then I get it. And that comes from a wellspring from within and it transforms outwardly. We don't go this way inwardly to get little Christians. It comes from within and goes without. So sometimes me and you need not play Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and let Him do the work that only He can do within the heart of man through the Word of God. So Jesus says to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. And we know that, and Jesus knows at this point in time, that eventually that's going to happen. He's going to go to the cross at Calvary. The death, the burial, the resurrection. He will ascend to the Father. And so, uh, some have referenced that perhaps the here again, this is, this is an indication that when Christ returns to the Father, the bridegroom's no longer present. We know he's coming again, church. He's coming for his bride, the church, the believers in Christ, New Testament age, day of grace. The bridegroom's returning one day with the entourage, and there's gonna be a great feast in heaven seven-year tribulation on the earth, we know about this. Lamb's Supper. Oh, what a time. That's going to be a feast. That's going to be a celebration. Won't be no fasting then, amen? Well, I tell you, we didn't do any fasting last night after that race. I put down some wings last night. Me and my wife put a hurting on some of those. It's time for celebration. Jesus said, there's coming a day when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then, then they will fast. You know, again, it, it, there was a biblical command from God to fast. There was a biblical command from God to fast. Anybody know when that was? What day of the year were they supposed to... Every good follower of the Old Testament, what one day of the year would they, were they supposed to fast on? This is the interactive part, by the way. You can just text in your message. We'll see it. I'm just kidding. Anybody know? Day of atonement. Thank you, brother. Day of atonement. Yom Kippur. The Jews would fast at least once a year on the day of atonement. Hmm. Interesting. And here they're going to speak to the one who comes to atone for sin. Hmm, about fasting? Well, there's more to say about that, but we'll save that for another day to say it. Christ has got a lot more to say in regards to this text. He's going to begin to speak about the parable of the cloth and the wineskins. I'm going to hold off on speaking about that. Um... There's some timely things, though. Uh, as this text unfolds before us, I-, I couldn't help but in my study think, wow, thank you, Lord. This is, this is God's timing. Let me just leave this with you before we close in prayer to think about as you go back and read this text through the week, as hopefully during your family, you spend some time maybe in it. And think about this. We're, Lord willing, we're, we're getting ready to bring on board. We voted. He's coming. A new youth man. He and his family are scheduled to arrive Thursday, and if you can be here to help us at 9 o'clock, we'd love to have all hands on deck to help us. Jesus is getting ready to hit on a very important point with these Pharisees. And it has to do with new garment, old garment, new wineskins, and old wineskins. This didn't necessarily bode so well with those who were comfortable with their traditions. And let me just say this as a way of spiritual application. And though we'll get into the historical, cultural context of what Jesus is really talking about, but I feel led to make this point. Grace. This young man's going to need grace when he comes here. Will he make mistakes? Certainly he will. He's human. Do I make mistakes? Don't answer that. I can answer it for you. (laughs) Yes. But grace. Aren't you glad God gives you grace and us grace (laughs) to make mistakes? We do. And sometimes that's how we learn. We don't want to learn that way. I always tell people, no, 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 the world says live and learn. That's wrong. We should learn and live. But sometimes... It does happen the other way. Be aware. Things may not be in line with what youth believe is the way maybe this should be done or that should be done with the youth. But ask yourself this. Is it an issue of tradition or truth? Because if it's truth, then we're okay. We're okay. We all are okay. And we'll talk about it again. Because there's some truth that Jesus is trying to convey to these Pharisees. And he's using some black and white illustrations to make his point. But let let me say it again. There may be some things that you're not used to. He might not wear a suit. (gasps) Newsflash, this is hopefully the last suit your pastor buys. Not because I die in it or anything like that. But you know what? This suit doesn't make me any better of a pastor than if I'm not wearing it. So guess what? We're moving into summer. I might lose a tie. Don't let that tradition offend you. Now, if it does, you please come talk to me. And we'll both go buy some nice robes that they used to wear in Jesus' day. And I'll wear it if you wear it. I promise. This is the kind of point I'm making. Guys, don't go ahead, well, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm not talking big things. I'm talking little things foolish things that we sometimes bicker over or get upset or feathers ruffled over. And, guys, there's no place for that in the family of God, really. And I don't have to worry about that here because you guys, you're you're Bible students, right? We're Bible students here. We're not going to let a tradition stand in our way of truth. And I think I've said too much already, so I'm going to just hush. But I love you guys, and we're going to continue. Listen, we're going to continue this, exhausting this. I'm going to stop there with the with the teaching on fasting, and we'll pick up next week on the parable of the cloth and the wine skins. But take some time this week and look at that, because I think it'll help prepare our hearts and minds for what God has uh, unfolding for us at this season in this church's life. But uh, hope you'll come back tonight. Tonight we've got our Awana's awards. And it uh, should be a good time. We've got a, a hot dog supper to follow. They're not Hebrew nationals, as we've already heard. And, uh, but it'll be a good time, a good time, no doubt. Let's, uh, let's dismiss in a time of prayer. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that you've given to us. Lord, we mess things up quite often. Our traditions seem to sometimes trump uh, and they, like the Pharisees, we can, sometimes we can put things so in place, so staunch, that we don't allow the Spirit of God to work and move, and, and Lord, forgive us uh, when we do that. We'll be looking into this by your grace, uh, Lord willing, next time we meet, and I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, give us insight and understanding to the text so that we might be vessels more fit to honor you, to reflect your grace and your glory. Lord, there's folks dying and going to hell. And we need to take the message of hope, the good news, the glad tidings to those who are perishing because we recognize and realize, Lord, that it's, through, it's by your grace By your grace, through faith, that we've been saved. And so, Lord, help us to carry this message beyond these walls to the world around us. Be with the church family this week as they go. Help them, Lord, to to reach out to new families. Uh, Lord, encourage us uh, in the days ahead. We're excited about uh, this new youth man that you're bringing. We pray for him and his family as they transition here that it would be smooth. And Lord, that we would show them great love and support for this calling on their life. And Lord, we pray for the families that they'll be ministering to. I've got great confidence in them because I know their confidence is in you. We'll give you the praise. for We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.